Welcome y'all to another Bangover podcast with another album gush. I like calling it that just because um, we're not reviewing anything, we're just gushing about it. And as always, I'm Scott, and today I'm with Chris Myers, Jordan Grow, hey. and Bria Bill. Oh, hello. Yes, uh, Chris is our producer, as you know, on pretty much all these episodes because we need his equipment. And we have our in-house commentators, uh, Jordan Grow, which you'll know from the low down and out. Um, mm-hmm. You'll see me in the background of that band, but it's mainly him dancing up on stage. Well, I have to block out your uh, shorts uh, from showing too much, you know, like yeah. children in the audience. Underwear. Yeah. I really hope there's not children in the audience. Uh, we play violent ass music. That's uh, why I want children yeah. there. You can check out the lowdown and out at uh, August thirty first. Oh yeah, uh, and Dozen uh, Street. Dozen Street. We'll 31st. go on at midnight. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you're listening to this on the eighteenth, go ahead and uh, mark that on your calendars. Saturday nights. Oh, Saturday night. All right, and you'll also know um, Bria if you've been to any of our Bangover showcases. She's our party planner, events manager. She wines and dines. She gets all our booze and stuff. Overall She's, badass. Yeah. I talk and thanks. She okay. talks and things talk. and shakes hands. That's what she does. Uh, she's a people person and a super fan, if anything. Uh, us being all musicians in this, uh, Bria would be the super fan, uh, the I'm person the, looking out. The showgoer. The, the showgoer. The, the talker, the, the overall overseer. Yeah. Probably love uh, music in uh, more ways than we do because we're spiteful being musicians and all. So. Yeah, I bring out the positive things. It's okay. Exactly. Well, today we're talking about Corns Follow the Leader. This will be... The twenty-first anniversary of it. It's twenty-one. It can finally it can drink. drink. It can drink. Yeah, <laughs> it can be in bars now. You're an adult now. Yeah. So a lot of people did a album review slash recap, rewind, listen to of Fall the Leader a year prior because it was this twentieth anniversary. We're going with like solid numbers here. Twenty years since, you know what I mean? But we wanted to do this. This is new to us, and this is one of the albums that we just really fucking love. I mean, I think everyone in this room has experienced this album. We're at the same up time, in at our generation, time. this is, this is our huge. high school. Yeah, we all have yeah. memories attached yeah. to this. Mm-hmm. And that's really where I wanted to get started with everything. It was just talking a little bit about, you know, all the things. Uh, first, uh, you can follow Bangover at all the platforms, YouTube, Spotify, and go ahead and give us a like on our Instagram. We post all our stuff there. And our YouTube page has all the live recordings of every showcase and as well as these podcasts. So go ahead and give us a like there. Uh, first, I want to get started to talk about how much I fucking love this band. Not only this album, but this band in general. This top five bands of me being in high school, for sure. <laughs> no doubt. Like, they, this was like my soundtrack. It was like no one understood me. Like, no one. You couldn't understand me. But you know who does? Corn. This album. This album yeah. got you. <laughs> yeah. Backwards are. They understand me. Yeah. They were yeah. different. Just well, like you. I, yes. How did you guys uh, feel about this? When did you guys first come to experience? I know this is 98 this album came out. So me being like fucking 12, you know, 11, 13, you know, 14. Mm. We're all pretty young. We probably didn't experience it at the the time it came out. I was in seventh grade or eighth grade. And I think it was the summer of seventh, eighth grade transition, if you will. And it's like the, the year ended and where I was in small town Wisconsin, like only the, the grease balls, they listened to that kind of music. That was because it was Redneckville, right? 
were they out were like pipe yeah. jeans and oh, they had man, the jinkos the pants, they dude. had like the jinkos and and all that in so the cool. straps and and they were like you didn't talk to those cats right but then that summer all of a sudden this came out and everybody that following year you know in the eighth grade was all about it all wearing jinkos everybody that first day of school is wearing their jinko jeans this corn is, in the locker dude. everywhere this shit hit number one this this blue peaked at one the fuck up like in billboard 200 ways, right yeah Bria, you were saying oh uh, no i was just gonna say so yeah chris and i were just talking about when the album came out because i 1998 i was a child but uh it definitely had some precedence in later years because when I was in middle school, that's when I discovered it. So it had to have been 2002, 2003. And I just remember my friends all wearing the trip bondage pants and me being like, oh, that's cool. What are you listening to? What's in your CD player right now? And it was this, it was Follow the Leader. Mm-hmm. And then just realizing that that was like a gateway. It's like a gateway drug into other bands like that. Oh, you guys remember the actual CD? It's black and it has the album cover, <laughs> but it's more like ingrained in it. And around the album itself, it lists all the songs. Yeah. And let's get straight. This motherfucking album starts at track 13. Yes. But you can't do that. If, if you guys don't own this album, you've never owned a CD player. And you, all you know is Spotify if you're that young. Know that this started at track 13 and had a hidden track. This went on for 25 tracks. It was yeah. just three seconds on each track until track 13 and you, you always thought like, is there something wrong <laughs> yeah you put in yeah. Put your CD. yeah you thought it was broken <laughs> yeah you put in your cd player like oh, where is fuck. it did it go Wait, where is it? and at that time Lifting we're all sun? we're all like you know like kids and every like a cd player is so important mm-hmm. to you oh my god it's your life yeah, yeah it's your heart yeah carrying it around everywhere you go you know and if something is wrong with it or it's broken it's Life and like you were getting that earlier, what's in your CD case? Yeah, you know, and yeah, you had that up front. And when you're first, yeah, I probably should bust out my CD case for some visuals and issues like seeing those two albums like in your CD case next Mm -hmm. to you. I was thinking this and Life is Peachy, you were Life is Peachy, yeah, Yeah. because they they would say like uh, later on, uh, I don't want to talk too much about issues, but going on to issues, it was kind of a little bit of a turn. Uh, not everyone was on board for said turn up. We're also talking about, I think it was two years later, which is, it, I think it had more of the, uh, the weird type of, um, I think those things were always there. Those uh, abuse, dark undertones, weird guitars. Like there's a dark part of Korn. It's in their lyrics. It's in their sound. I think Issues just took it to the next level of being super dark and not having a lot of fun. Well, you know, there's not a lot of fun on that album per se, like there is on Follow the Leader, where you have tracks like All in the Family, which is just stupid. It also but it's goes to change in you know? taste of, uh, you know, the 2000s of, you know, we don't want to get down anymore. Yeah, and it's their fourth album at that point. Yeah. So, uh, just to state, this is their third album, uh, following up Life is Peachy, which is, uh, some would say their best album, but. Uh, or a corn think, fan. Uh, like critically, most people around the world, how you heard Corn for the first time was probably follow the fucking leader. And for one thing, uh, Freak on Leash. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Freak yeah. on Leash. Huge. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Chris, how did you uh, come to experience Corn? Skate videos? Just fucking kick flipping? Fucking, no, what is this? It was, a, it was the same, like school and just, I think it was around like 10, 11. And so middle school, just starting. This and uh, this and issues were like at that time, kind of you know, 98 was when this happened. Issues was fairly right after, so Next you know, year. for me, that's around mm-hmm. 2000, 2001, where I actually like 
get music and stuff like right. that downloaded or whatever. And so at the time, these two albums on Corn, for Corn, were like big for me as far as like that was a heavy rotation on my little MP3 player. No, especially like Ooh, some of these songs. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if you were a fan of uh, metal and hip-hop, this was like a great bridge. They really do combine the two so well in this album. It's flawless. Uh, the styles of funk and uh, just that hip-hop style as well. Feel these bass playing. The metal. Yeah, it's it, really uh, that, rhythmic. We'll, we'll get into a lot that of that, uh, that whole, uh, you know, the way things sound in some of the songs that we're about to play and like what they were going for because some of it is experimental fascinating you, you'll hear that bass tone change a lot and we'll get into that i just want to say the first time i ever heard corn was i remember it like it was yesterday it was 1999 new year's and they it was mtv's uh you know fucking countdown for the new years and they were playing all the mu great music videos from that year and in that year the battle of supreme was down to uh backstreet boys um uh, they're a real famous song. I can't think of it, but it doesn't was, matter. Yeah, yeah. the Backstreet <laughs> Boys. Uh, I think uh, Backstreet's back. Uh, I think that's the name uh. of the song. And Corn Fall the Leader. And these songs destroyed like the uh, uh, TRL fucking Total Request. They were line. number it one was, and two all the time. It was fucking. People were calling in. It became like a little bit of a like a, a little bit of a, a competition between like Britney Spears, like all these pop bands well, and corn and metal. It's so divisive. Corn That's what's out, crazy you know? about that era. And people is... were just like, "What?" And not. I I feel like there's a lot of backlash. You I didn't listen they, to that well, stuff. Yeah. If you listen to the other stuff, they had to like retire those songs off of fucking Total Request. Yeah, live. That, like that, they literally had to retire both music just videos just to get Frank anybody Garlish else and uh, yeah, just I to think, get them uh, off. Got there, the yeah. life was the other one, or maybe it's on. I can't remember. Got they the life. Fucking, I think it was. Yeah, because people would not stop mm -hmm. with it, and that's pretty amazing. I remember watching the music video, standing in the hallway, being thirteen, and and this was like my introduction into this type of music. I knew about. Black Sabbath, Motorhead, Jews Priest, that was my dad's stuff. But like getting into this, it was hearing that Corn Freak on the Leash and getting this game, because he used to get games in the mail when I had my first PlayStation, uh, a game called Nightmare Creatures 2, and featuring an opening track, Demonoid Phenomenon by Rob Zombie, which I was like, what is this? Same thing with Corn. What is this and how do I get more? Later on that year, um, I got a Corn album for my birthday. But I was so sad because my friend got me issues. And I didn't want issues. I wanted <laughs> I don't want leader. issues, man. I don't, and, want, it, yeah, I don't I, want any I issues. I fell in love with the issues album, but it wasn't the one I wanted, you know? And I was just so disappointed getting that and not getting Follow the Leader, which this was like, I've had, I must have had five copies of this album. It got broke, stole, scratched. Yeah. I just kept getting a new one. Mm -hmm. It's one of those albums that I love so much, but it it's gets taken away from me because of my love, I think. Well, and it, also TRL, it was on right after school. So All you right. get done with school, you can go home, watch when MTV still played it, you know, watch the music videos, and yeah, you, could, you had to call in, and that's where you got requested. So by the time you're done with school, mm -hmm. you're watching the top 10 music videos, mm -hmm. and it was that war of pop and new metal, which at the end of the day, it was all pop. I remember yeah. running home from school and being like, I gotta get my vote in. Got to. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> I gotta yeah. do this. We can't vote I, for I politicians. Vote. I would even go home and like tell my dad like whatever was going on. I'd do my chores or whatever after school and I was like, Can you just let me do this? He'd let yeah. me do it. But, was <laughs> but it, it was text? really important. Or was that? You couldn't really line? text yet. It was a call line. It was a call line, yeah. It's like calling on your radio station, I think. 
You gotta sit on hold yeah. and be like, who do you vote for? You, you, you got like, uh, you called and it was like, press one to vote for this. Yeah, oh, yeah. I see. Like yeah. a movie phone or something. Pretty much <laughs> automated. Yeah. I had uh, pre-internet. Damn, I never did that. Strong. I never called in for... Oh, well, they I did was, internet, I guess. I had to be. Were you calling in done. for corn? Yeah, it, yeah. you had to like press in who you wanted and what. Or was it Oh Baby, was. Baby by Britney Spears? No, I <laughs> called in for corn. Called him for Good Charlotte. Depends on what day it was, I guess. <laughs> Not gonna lie, don't you judge me. <laughs> hey, don't, don't don't tell too many people. <laughs> well, if we can get into that, uh, it was bands like Corn to bring bands it like was, Good Charlotte it was into the about yeah. that. that de- like I was saying, it's look at the way earlier. they dress, uh, the way yep. they act. Uh, this this fucking their style is so cross membered. I love how they explained it one time because. Uh, when they brought back Headbangers Ball, mm-hmm. or I, I mean, it might not even been Headbangers Ball, but they would have these hours on MTV2 where it's like uh, a band would take control of the network and play the music videos they love. And Korn would love to put their idea of like, we had the idea for Korn from taking like fucking Jay-Z and Nine Inch Nails and we put them together. We took both sides of the things that we loved and put them together. And you could definitely, you can hear it, but it's also like in the way they look, you know? And they're from uh, Bakersfield, California. So getting into the style down there, if you just go a little bit further into the cities, you could definitely see like this type of new metal genre. And and let's get into a little bit of that, the history of Korn. Arguably the first new metal band. 1994, first album released. They were established in 93. I'm sure they've done stuff before that. I'm sure there was new metal bands before that. But well, well, it was Korn that, that, that broke started those, it. Broke through in yeah. a sense. And two, got to think of metal of where it was. It was guitar solos. It was a lot of uh, so, you know, yeah. over-the-top yeah. stuff. And this grunge killed a lot of that 80s hair perception of it, too. And to bring back the metal, Which kind of brought mean? the new metal, because yeah. uh, it was scrungier, it was mm-hmm. down-tuned, it was no more whole solos. notes. Solos were, in fact, in this album, the solos replaced by Jonathan Scatman Davis over here. <laughs> you know? I, I didn't even think that, that there was a replacement. They're replaced by him it's scatting. Statting, yeah. You know? Yeah, uh, they, like, if you look up a little bit about new metal in the thing, you'd say, like, uh, one of the stylistic things would be not to have guitar solos. And it's, it's mainly a riff-heavy yeah. song, which a lot of, it's very melodic. There's a lot of, and, and the hip-hop side was the yeah. rhythm of, the, of uh, Dave Sil- Silvera yeah. and yeah. whatnot. Fieldy just really bringing yeah. those beats coming in. Yeah, and, well, and this album, uh, you start to hear where Fieldy is working on his tones a lot. Each song has a different bass tone from the next mm-hmm. in some really, way, shape, or form. Yeah, really like they're thick really and, working with it. But again, the, the, the producers, the uh, engineers that they have working on, these are Famous, they're massive fucking people like that are fucking super talented, and to take a band like Corn that is so talented and bring them in there and to work in depth with them, it paid off massively. Like the songs on this album are so different from one to the next, but in every way it flows. It still has the same feel, but you get weird songs, you get those jazzy dance songs, you get. Your hip hop song. There's a lot of guest stars, which are mainly just rappers coming in. You there know? was a an interview with Head, and he, he had talked about this album and how this uh, this is the this album in particular is the one they spent the most time in the studio doing, and not like as a band. And it's the most fun they had making a record because they literally would spend like 13, 15 hours in the studio. You know, all of them, not two or three. All of them, all of them are in the studio hanging out for 
you know, the whole time making music, you know, this is one of the only albums that actually has that. So that's why it has that feel, you know, maybe later albums, you know, they're not quite hanging out like that. This is also their third one too. And they, the other two, they've gotten their kinks out. Mm -hmm. They have a bit more money now. Mm -hmm. They have a bit more notoriety. They're working with, you know, a bit bigger producers at this point and they could dedicate the whole day. And they were young enough at that time before life responsibilities really do it where, yeah, in the later ones, they're not able to go there or they have their own life issues that Mm -hmm. ultimately peaked in around 2000s, you know? This is, yeah, their third album. I just think they, after the first two, they start to get this idea of like what they really want to go for, maybe what their next approach would be, especially doing an album like Life is Peachy, which is very similar, like similar in so many ways to follow the leader you can definitely see the way they look the the way they're drawn the the things they talk about a lot of that but taking it and just taking it another step further to where i'm saying like this is like their swan song this is like their magnus opus of albums and i don't know yeah. i don't know if that's what they were going for like you know how long does is this going to last for so like let's do it to the fullest every time we hit the studio or was this just an idea and they were like push it even harder than the last album of really developing who Korn is, you know, as a sound. Like, if anything, this would put the stamp and be like, we all know what they're going to do and who they are. And even how they might have changed a little bit after a while, you could still hear all these elements from there. You just don't always keep making the same music, you know? It's a great chunk to have, you know, self-title up to uh, issues, if you will, if you want to add issues. But for me, it would just be like cutting it out and just be like, life is peachy. And Vol the Leader, those are like double discs in my mind where it's like I would have both of those side by side. If I could have two corn albums, it would be those two corn albums in some ways. I do love other albums, but well, there's I nothing think, like this. Because you know? Life is Peachy came out in 96. So you got you to think of time frame of recording that album, Going really busting through, yeah. yeah, getting as a band on tour, getting tighter, right. learning your own creativity style. And then it's the same, they're writing these songs while they're on tour and creating it. So it's like that moment of time in their careers, that was when they were firing on all cylinders. Yeah. They were locked they're in. Comfortable in their direction of they where they're going. Had a vision. They have a definition of yeah. what they're doing. And it was just like, let's get it. the time to get it is now. And they yeah. did it. And that's partly why they sound so within that same band because they're written within that mindset yep. and, and ascending. Uh, rock stars at the moment fucking play these songs live is whoa it's so funny you say that right before uh this they did this album they were on tour with ozzy and uh when they're i think it was yeah life is peachy went gold uh ozzy got him a thing of champagne and uh backstage they were like you boys are gonna make it you you're you're coming just enjoy the ride yeah thing like you so they you guys knew are they, really they knew good. You're nated by the Prince yeah. of Darkness. Yeah. So yeah. you're new then. Yeah. And then yeah. what do they go into the studio Christened. and do this album? Well, and there you go. You get that confidence. If Ozzy oh, yeah. Osbourne tells you you're going to make it, nothing's stopping you. Yeah. And as far as your mental, you're in it. You're in it to win it because you're already you, you're set to win it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you go know? back to Ozzy, his comments nowadays. Who? <laughs> <laughs> Aww. 
Oh, I talked to a lot of people. Doubtful. I was drunk. They stay, you know, hey, they managed to leave the mark. A lot of champagne was given out, all right? No, no. I gave it to them. To say if Ozzy sees what, if Ozzy sees what those record producers see, Ozzy sees what the engineer and the fans see at that time of Life is Peachy, they know that there is something here. This is fucking fire. As long as this band stays together. He might have seen a thing or two in his career, too. That's true. Sharon, might too, have. you know, Sharon. Yeah. True. Like, right. oh. she, you can see talent. She can sniff out talent. Well, that's you her gift, too. <laughs> yeah, one of her grips. You know? Well, uh, let's get into the next song, because I know we started with, uh, what was it? Uh, Got the Life. Got the Life. But we just wanted to get into it, you know, save some of the good stuff. Which These are all good songs, but um, I believe we're going to do, um, let's do that single. Let's do that first song everyone heard, Freak Unleash. Everyone knows this song. Takes a part of me Something lost and never seen Every time I start to believe Something's raped and taken from me From me Life's gotta always be messing with me Can't it chill and let me be free Every night all in vain, in vain 
Oh, we just we just have to talk about every member in this band, especially in this song. Everyone, this is all shines. You see their formula. Everybody shines. Mm-hmm. The the way the bass player and that drummer just dance together, you get this very hip hop feel. It's just that drum beat is so. It's pretty much the only thing there, and then you have the bass in that background to fill in that blank space and a little bit of ear guitar. To get the until textures. We, until when? Go. <laughs> go. Yeah. Go. Literally. That's what All he right, says. you can go and now. He fucking, says go. It's, it's my favorite part because the whole time, okay, we, we want to talk about the scat man do. Um, <laughs> he's just. Skitty scat. <laughs> listen, everyone's seen this music video. It's when the bullet finally breaks into. And looks at him. The, so it looks at him. Looks at him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So Realize, oh, I better stop now, dude. This yeah. Jonathan then, Davis, man. And then it's oh, oh it's a pause there, and then uh, just that. I, I can't. Very Rasta inspired. Yeah. Rasta inspired. Well, his that hair was is too. Weird. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's it's Rasta that boom. Yeah, I guess a lot of but like yeah. with the hardcore. Oh, throw yeah. that Metal. in. Yeah, throw a deep. What a unique on it. voice. What a fucking unique voice. Um. You know it. You know it when you hear it. They, that's Jonathan Davis. You know he's definitely one of those guys who had his own mark, different yeah. from any other. His band voice is so pleasant. One of those voices well. where at any point in time I could be anywhere, and if Corn comes on, I know that that's Corn because Jonathan Davis's voice. It's so different. It's so unique. But it's it's a very easy voice to hear. It's if you were to show someone Corn for the first time, this is like. Oh, his voice ain't too harsh. It's actually perfect. You can it's, hear the lyrics. It's you can hear the lyrics. Everything about his voice is so perfect in the way where it's pleasant. People like to hear him, even when he talks and he's yeah. not singing. He, he has, has a, a soft very, and a heavy voice. Yes. It's appropriate. It's and yeah, every authentic time. too, though. And I think yeah. that's I think that's the key. Is uh, anything he's saying. I mean, he does have this pain that he has. It's had, it's real, right? And it's real, and he's yeah. putting it out there. He, there is no hold back on it, and that's and it shines because of that yeah uh some of the songs in here get pretty dark pretty quick um i say pretty because the song pretty smash your pretty face <laughs> it's it's uh i didn't get too far into it but the actual what that song's about uh go read the lyrics there's a whole explanation it's a true story it's very dark it's one of my favorite songs on the album by far uh what a weird type of range uh, that song is. If you listen to it, it was like, because I was listening to it as a production stands for it. It, it was not. It's it's catchy, but the, it keeps cutting. It will do odd signature timing. They will come in with like a drum beat will be real soft for the first two measures, and then get real pronounced and heavy out of nowhere, and the bass picks up with it. So they do a lot of that on this album. Uh, speaking on Freak on the Leash, you hear all that type of dynamic work they were layering i don't even when i saw corn play live they had an entire band behind the curtain they had another drummer at times they had another singer they always had another guitar player sometimes even another bass player to fill in all this studio magic i think making this album in the studio and learning how to play it do you live. remember when corn got terry i think his name is terry bosio he's like that crazy rack drummer dude that's got like mm-hmm. hanging and oh right well, I saw, I, I yeah, yeah. yeah. he I, was I a drummer for them for a second right but, i mean jesus I christ all, <laughs> all the way around but one of the times was with him as well and yeah i mean they had to get 
you know, you got to show them what's going on. Dude, they're, they're still, <laughs> they're still blowing that shit up, dude. Like, yeah. their shows are amazing live still to this day. They have it down to a T. Production-wise, sound-wise, it is all there. It sounds like the album when you see them play live. It sounds exactly like it. Freak on a Leash sounds like Freak on a Leash. Like, no difference. 20-plus years later. And that is so crazy because you listen to this album and you're like, Okay, this is cool, especially if you're listening to probably today's standards. Yeah. But to hear it played live, you're like, holy fuck, I didn't think that was possible. Yeah. A lot of studio magic in this album. Going to shows, you always get that comment like, you know, everybody critiques everything from shows, whatever. You get home and you're like, oh, it didn't sound as good as it did on the album. That's not the case with this. Like, they're good live mm-hmm. and on the album. It's not a whole lot They of really put in the money in the, the, the behind the stage factors of putting on a live show mm-hmm. they figured it out they have obviously they have a ton of money to do this so now, they have a crew you yeah. know what i mean they have they have all the necessary means but before that they were like doing their first album well, and even life of speech is a little bit more simple because of that reason portray it live now that we have money now we're like working on a bigger label record label you know, yeah. they, you know what I mean? from that point this has a lot of like guitar work as far as like the production side like the whammy pedal you have those weird effects that are coming in out if they're engaging all of this themselves they don't have time to be running around and playing and doing all right yeah there's probably several sound guys back there pushing you know there there are parts of the song that depend it's almost like that pantera song like you know it has to be engaged and pushed in a certain way in order for the it's in the the note to happen exactly and there's certain parts of corn songs that are like that so I don't, you know, are you they- hear it in the change in Freak on the Leash too from the verse where it's just uh, those three notes held out, whole notes to distortion mm-hmm. to that riff that goes into the pre-chorus Something right before the hook, right before you know, and then that's where the bass and drum is really like bringing it the groove is so it gets you like a fish man and it it's so you. catchy it's it's written like a pop song in every way. it is um, that's <laughs> it the is. idea behind the new metal as well to try to like simplify it cut mm-hmm. back on the crazy dynamics crazy time signatures guitar solos let's make it groove you know it's a uh, another word that they use to stay away because the term new metal is so just uh, a bad taste in people's mouth that uh, groove metal would be another good way to put it, right? Well, groove, uh, new metal also fell kind of same victim of what hair metal did. It's like the first few who did it, they were on point. Right. As everybody who came after. Papa Roach. And talking about you. Yeah. <laughs> well, hey, looking at Papa you. Papa Roach opened for corn, though. See? Uh, but, I mean, this is I, the label right. setting up yeah. the tours. Yeah. And, this, and I saw Papa Roach corn myself. So, yeah, and Power Man 5000, you know? Uh, they were one know. of the originators. <laughs> but that's Man. what I'm saying. Yeah. So you get your originators, you get a few after, and then after a while, it, it's... Watered down. Watered down. It's bullshit. The people Overdone. who are doing it are only doing it, you know, for their own... Because it was They're popular at the time. Yeah, right? it's not. That's not who they are. That's just what's getting them. Right. Hey, and mm-hmm. people ultimately see through it, and it kills the scene, the sound, and only a few can, you know, the real ones stay. <laughs> the but good ones are gonna stay. Pe- people you know? might hate on this fucking this scene, this style of metal, but there's one thing that like don't forget what this style of metal gave us: drop detuning. Without that, I think it was like drop B or something. No, yeah, it, was, it was really it was a, a it was a half step down from the D. Yeah. Um, so it, it kind of like balances. But this is where they're there kind of known for making it 
Corn seven string, but the idea of that oh, down I tune. Know. Okay, I see what you're saying. We're gonna get into albums like uh, Roots by Simbultura. Yeah. Like that drop D tuning is now used in like uh, hardcore uh, bands. You know, nowadays, well, like a lot of hardcore bands will use drop D tuning. Part of that is, but also it was Seattle. made popular and even, I guess, created in this new metal scene was the drop that tuning. Corn did it, it with the. Because they had seven strings, right? Part of it, though, you got to think of time and place. It's the '90s. Drop D was also very prevalent. Seattle West Coast with uh, Soundgarden. So it's the grunge. And Soundgarden learned it from uh, the Melvins, pretty much. So you got to think of the metal influence that they're hearing. The scene of the time of grunge metal in general, which killed that metal perception of the time of neon and big hair and and wilding out we're just here to get laid and and party and whatnot time and place drop d was so huge in that and because they're playing seven strings they're going for lower tones Mm -hmm. they're getting uh yeah and they're like in c and and like a whole step down and whatnot and that's part of it and that's what kind of that was why at this point it was so that's what people were wanting, and they were just on the pulse of it, killing it. And you're right in the sense, because once they came and did that, all my friends who were guitar players at the time, because we were, that's when I was beginning, you know, everybody shifted, and all went there, you know. In, in Wisconsin, small town Wisconsin, everybody's doing drop D, drop D, mm-hmm. drop D. All the songs were drop D, you know. And, and that was fun for a while, don't get me wrong, but... That's, I like the sound of drop D. Yeah. It's, it's balls. It is great. I mean, great tune. Always mess around with tuning some guitar people. Yeah. Always. There's so many different yeah. ways, and that's how you get certain songs mm-hmm. and tones. Yeah. These, are, uh, these guitar players it's, are very uh, well-known for what they, they do. They get droning, too, and that's where open tunings and drop tunings yeah. help with a droney kind of... kind of. It's going back to that Black Sabbath of just, like, detuning the guitar and... Trying to get as heavy as possible, as low as possible. But still hearing low this, frequency, you know, yeah. right? Not having a you want the low frequency, yeah. Which is a uh, Chris, you were telling us about one of the songs how they were like a little bit. They were like, I don't know if we should put this on the album. Oh yeah, got the life. Yeah, because of the dance that drum it, that disco drum beat that is in there. It's uh, they were really hesitant about it, you know, because. With that scene. Yeah. It, and that style. It's, it's really, they're mixing a lot of different styles here. It, uh, putting that in there with this overall style. It's like, hmm. That yeah, that's why Jonathan, he, Jonathan Davis came in and saved it overall when he, he had his hardcore vocals on top. Hey, do, 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 do. You know, it's like real. like Still be metal. Yeah. Hey, still be hard. On top of this like drum, yeah. you know, Softer. basically just drum and bass. Yeah. At that point, there's like guitar is kind of like doing some weird things here and there again, texture, but it's drum and bass that's driving that that verse part, and then you get into that weird hip hop like dun, 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 dance, get you can dance on. to it, yeah. yeah, it's like real dancey get right there. Even on. that little break part goes right back into that disco drum beat, and that so slap like, bass, man, that is yeah. just it's uh, another another weird sound on the album of that bass. You yeah, that face totally like, changes from this slappy. They saw the, the crowd reaction song. though of that when they did it live as they're doing it. They're like, "There's no way we can't put the song because the crowd reaction is going to be moving to it. It's so funky. Mm-hmm. It is groovy. Like that, if you're playing that live, that chorus. Wow. That is very Whoa. of that time <laughs> yeah. though too. Yeah. That sound, that slap bassy kind of funky. That sound like we're still Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. like all, mm-hmm. all that is from that from that era. 
Yeah, Southern which California. is um, I'm yeah. always thinking of uh, suicidal tendencies, you know, because they're, they're in the California area, a lot of slap bass and that. It's very funky. It was like, a, like they always say, I was making a music I could skateboard to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Well, and a lot of skateboarders listen to fucking corn, you know? Well, yeah, and that's Southern California. What kind of music, who's your audience and what kind of mm-hmm. scene are you really getting? You don't want to be perceived as too soft in that. So yeah. I can see where the hesitation was, but ultimately it's, if it grooves, it grooves. You know, you people are going to dig it. Jonathan Davis is definitely the glue behind all of Corn. You have all these different styles from every musician in the band. Uh, yeah, a little bit of hip hop drumming from mm-hmm. the drummer, this bass that can go either way, and these weird, eerie kind of guitars that are very Nine Inch Nails. I would mm-hmm. even say Faith No More type of weird. It's- and um, Jonathan Davis, like you said, just come in there. He were playing the drum beat, and they were like, "I don't know, man. It it sounds too funky." And then Jonathan was just fucking around on the mic and they were like holy shit how it flows how well it starts to connect and now this starts to build in the ideas there you yeah, know it's I mean? unique no other band was doing that not one band was doing like those kind of things at the time you know no, like that's the, why i said faith no more because yeah. that's the closest you can they, get because mr bungle mr bungle yeah. they, again experimenting yeah. with they, like, sta- they stated that like, with, that like yeah. being in california that was one of the bands that they went as a as a group they went and saw that and were influenced by. They were like, "Holy shit!" And a lot of those weird <laughs> chords that, like, he even like had admits that is a Mister Bungle riff. I just straight up took it and you know, or influenced That's so it. So cool not because you can take it, hear but it, yeah. you know, I'm influenced, influenced by, by mm-hmm. that. They the Rage Against the Machine as- aspect of the California yeah, scene yeah. of Zach De La Rocha just Time getting on place. stage and you know, killing Which, it and scratching on yeah. a guitar like fucking turn on those yeah. Yeah, effects. The Red Hot Chili Peppers are really big at that time, yeah. and they're just the hooks that they're kicking out, funky as, stuff. Exactly. So they are influenced by this whole California. Plus, movement. yeah, and plus at this time as well, like uh, something that never kind of died, that was always kind of in the background, still always thrash metal. Mm-hmm. And this is California, and to have that thrash metal influence as well to get these hip hop beats faster, mm-hmm. kick it up a notch, you know. It, it, you with the thrash metal, you get the metal and the punk rock aspect. Of this it. is also the beginning of like rap metal, it, and and hip hop yeah. was yeah. it. Los Angeles was the uh, hip hop empire in the family. Of New York. Have, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so you have hip hop, well, metal. They're the the hard scenes, if you will, and that hip hop in Southern California was on top of the world at the time, because New York was came before, but then it was L.A. was the other one, and American hip hop, coast to coast, and you, Every it, time. you're in that soup of all that aggression and hip hop and beat and funk and right. all that is so perfect, a tendency, you know, perfect exactly. storm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just brought Thrash it all together. You get Lincoln Park. Oh yeah, yeah. These are the and people that came uh, I think. And then you Again. get Was it uh, for some reason? I think. Oh, it's the record. NRG Studios recorded Lincoln Park. North Hollywood. Uh, what is that? That first album, the gray one. And I, I believe hybrid Ross hybrid uh, moment, hybrid oh, moment, hybrid or hybrid something, whatever. Hybrid moment, hybrid theory, hybrid theory. How do you know this? Hybrid theory. But wait, it has this, the first it has this album I ever bought from a record uh, store. Yeah. Right? It's a samurai on it with a gray. Yeah, it's yeah, a, a samurai red, with yeah. the gray. I don't think it's a samurai. I think it is it's a soldier wearing wings. It's a samurai. Samurai is a soldier though. It's a samurai. Yeah. Okay, it might have been. Got a tattoo. It's a silhouette and it has wings on their leg. It's a samurai. Okay. Same recording studio. Yeah, either way. Either All way. of the it's, same genre type that's of thing. What's, that's what's, it's crazy. Yeah. And if you look at that studio, they did the same. They did like, I think, Seven Does. A lot, like, 
a lot of that night. Everything that was Metallica, like Alice in Chains, uh, GNR, Wu Tang, Donna, John Lennon. These yeah. are the producers. I mean, this who is they yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. fucking. This is California. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this is probably one of the biggest labels in California at the time. Like, grabbing yeah. these big ass fucking stars and pumping them out. What else is there? Like, in the time where you, you could still do it, where you, people still bought CDs and. This was that. the time. This was the yeah. time. Yeah. Fucking this album we're Before talking about Napster. today. Five times platinum. <laughs> like five more? times, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> we just recently uh, talked about that Leonard Skinner album. Yeah, yeah. How many times that went platinum? Two. Uh, I'm sure it's we're gone over now. I think it's a Forty-seven years from that first album we were listening to. Well, it, in '87 it went platinum for the first time. Right, and but then I think it only since went then, twice. I think it's yeah. I think since then, that particular album did. Yeah, Corns follow the leader. Twenty-one years, platinum five times. Well, and it's the last era of people buying it uh, right this before is, Napster. This is, the, yeah. this is probably right this is before nineteen ninety-eight. This is yeah. the peak. You get two oh, years yeah. left before everybody's well, stealing. Yeah. These albums and downloading it and viruses. At the time, well. Leonard Skinner, you didn't have as many sort of me, like media sources. There was no That's MTV. True. It was just t- cassette or there was A-track. No promotion. Maybe and unless you got radio play or song. I think you really made it. Yeah. Well, uh, let's get into the next song because uh, this one's gonna be our diss track, right? <laughs> and that's crazy. They actually had uh, so many cameos on this. You know. Like for their third album, they got a lot of guest stars. Ice Cube, that Ice Cube, Fred Durst. like Fred Durst. They saw what was happening. Well, They're like I'm gonna jump on yeah, the train. We'll, we'll get into it when we come back from the song. But a lot of that was because of the Family Values tour. And later on that year, after releasing the album, these bands were gonna be this promoted on that this tour, album and right? pushed Ice it. Cube was on that tour, and so was uh, Incubus, uh, Fred, uh, yeah, Limp Bizkit, yeah, and Rammstein and Orgy. Oh yeah. oh yeah, I fucking love Orgy. Orgy. At family values. I mm-hmm. think it was because they wanted to. They kept that in the family mm-hmm. motif kind of going as far. Yeah, as, so. yeah, they're all friends, all family, yeah. all hanging out. Yeah, <laughs> everyone did a song with Jonathan Davis. It's fun. <laughs> it was tons of fun. Not in the family if you don't. Say what? 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 Say too bad, I got your beans in my bag You stuck up sucker, corny motherfucker Taking over flows as the limp, pimp Need the biscuit to save this group from John Davis I'm gonna drop a little east side skill You best step back, cause I'm a kill, I'm a kill So what you thinking, Mr. Raggedy Man? Doing all you can to look like Raggedy Ann Check you out, punk Yes, I know you feel it You look like one of those dancers from the Hanson video You little faggot hoe Please give me some shit to whack with Cause right now I'm all lit, kid Suck my dick, kid Like your daddy did Who the fuck you think you're talking to? I'm known for eating little whiny chumps like you Whatever. All up in my face with that Are you but halitosis is all you're rockin' steady Your little fairy smelling on your flowers Nappy hairy chest, look it's Austin Powers I hear you tootin' on them bagpipes, Clyde But you said it best, there's no place to hide What the fuck you sayin'? You're a pimp whatever Limp dick, Fred just needs to rehearse Needs to reverse what 
Up in your eye, climbing shoes and ladders while your ego shatters. But you just can't get away because it's doomsday, kid. It's doomsday. A singer, you're more like Jerry Springer. Your favorite band is Swinger, and all you eat is Zingers. You're like a foodie pebble. Your favorite flag is Rebel. It's just too bad that you're a faggot on a lower level. So you're from Jacksonville, kicking it like Buffalo Bill. Getting butt fucked by your uncle Chuck while your sister's on her knees oh, waiting yeah. for your little you get that little dance like the idiots in Waco you're burning up in Baco where your father had your mother your mother had your brother it's just too bad your father's mad your mother's now your lover come on hillbilly can your horse do a fucking willy you run up and down south and boy you sure do got a hurt oh, yeah. mouth That was All in the Family uh, featuring uh, Fred Durst. The one and only Fred Durst. Uh, a lot of people did songs with Fred Durst back in the day. It's fine. Uh, don't blame Korn. Uh, a lot of people did stuff with O.J. Simpson, too. You if, know? If there's a, uh, a Limp Bizkit music video. Uh, I think it's uh, the Nookie where there's Eminem, Marilyn Manson, uh, Jonathan Davis, and a bunch of rappers I don't know their names of uh, at the time. All in that music video because let's be honest, like Corn started this thing, and then we had uh, someone pulling out the, their coattails, yeah. fucking Limb Biscuit trying to pull heavy. one up. And, and they believed in it. Well, they, and at one point, kind of, at one point, they kind of surpassed mm-hmm. them. Um, I think Limb Biscuit the took issues, the rap more. Like, were they yeah, the, the Judas Priest Iron Maiden saying, like, of this era? The Judas Priest Iron mm-hmm. Maiden battle. Which side are you on, Limp Biscuit? No, I Korn? would never like 
both Judas Priest and Iron Maiden, badass bands. But uh, but for this scene, for Limp this Biscuit, s- not a bad for new, yeah, new metal doesn't hold up. For but I'm talking 1998. It was so that song is a little bit of like a diss track between the two, but in some ways you can kind of sense like Jonathan Davis like brought up Limp Biscuit was like, oh look at these guys, you know, fucking check these guys out, and then you know. Uh, Fred Durst just getting a really big fucking head and kind of pulling away a little bit. What? Yeah. If you wanna, if you wanna talk about battles in this time, I would definitely yeah. say uh, Nine Inch Nails and uh, Marilyn Manson. That would be yeah. a different that, type of in that scene. But though. they were still like a, another working relationship that kind of went a little bit sour. I'm not saying Jonathan Davis in what's his face, uh, you know, fucking Fred Durst, like actually got into it when. When they asked Jonathan Davis about what some of the things Fred Durst did, he was like, well, I don't really, you know, I don't really condone any of that stuff. And kind of, he just separated himself after all that uh, 99 uh, motherfucking um, Lollapalooza tour. Yeah. And that's when they kind of pulled away. Well, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's when that whole band was going downhill anyways. Like they were at on top of the world and then here comes Limbus oh. just crashing fucking mm-hmm. down. Um, I want to talk about a little bit of the uh, production work in this. Um Trying to find the producer, uh, their the producer from their first two albums, um, I believe the first two albums was um, Ross um, Robinson. Robinson, but he didn't do the production work on this. No. He actually helped Jonathan Davis personally with his vocals, taking him into the studio, like talking about what he's gonna do and how to like really work his vocals. You can definitely hear that from the first two albums up to this one. The vocals are. Like now, Jonathan Davis has his style. You know what I mean? We are sitting here making fun of his Scatman dudes, but I mean, even in that song, he portrays all his voices. In uh, the last song we just heard of, of All in the Family, he, he uses he had his whole range. Yes, yeah, he, he has well, so many different range, range. He can do that real like gargly one. Angry. He has this real just talky voice. The and creepy one. Fucking, yeah. yeah, and then he has he the like screams that he get, You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he has these like. Powerful metal like crunch screams that you can yeah when he wants to bring heavy, it heavy right for those heavy parts in the song, but the producer on this album was uh, Steve Thompson, and Steve Thompson is famous for working with Guns N' Roses, Wu Tang, uh, Wu Tang, John Lennon, and Madonna and Tesla. Who the fuck cares? But um, that's pretty much it for this guy. Let's go back to Ross Robinson. Okay, because this guy has literally created everything I've ever loved. <laughs> and I'll just talk about the albums that I truly love that he did, which is Corn's uh, first album, obviously, but we also have the Deathtones' first album, Alkaline. Going down the list, he does Life is Peachy, Motherfucking Roots, Simple Tura. I'm like, what? $3 bill, obviously, Limbiscuit. Soulfly's self titled album, what the fuck? Slipknot's self-titled album. Wow. Let's get to this one. Uh, Relationship of Command at the Drive-In. What the fuck? Iowa, uh, Slipknot's second album. They do some Glassjaw albums. Um, a Cure album, The Cure. Yeah, thanks. Team Sleep, which is kind of a super group with the lead singer of um, Deftones. Uh, some other ones. Uh, th- it was so surprising looking at his catalog of bands. I was blown away i was i just i had no idea uh dead cross the dead cross album uh which is dave lombardo uh the rest of the members of the lotus and fucking um help me out here mike Patton on vocals dead cross Mm. which is kind of like their thrash metal band mike Patton's thrash metal band 
fucking did that. Damn. Uh, the used uh, super uh, suicide silence. Uh, Red Fang, only Ghost. That was the third album. Like he did Red Fang. Okay, so everything he's ever done is like bands I love. He, even hip hop, Tech Nine. Uh, look him up. His list is insane. Uh, there's this one. Uh, Blacklight Burns. Does anyone know that band? No. Black Light Burns? That's what yeah. you said? That sounds like something I would probably know, but I don't. <laughs> the one person who would know yeah. it doesn't hey. know it. Hey. <laughs> well, they have this really popular song that like he just did the uh, mixing for. And it's the only song I love from that band, and I can't believe he, was, he, he, he didn't touch anything else from that band. And I don't really like anything else from that band, but the one song Apparently he, he only liked on, one thing, too. <laughs> dude, it's, it's, a, it's an amazing song. Um, fucking Norma Jean. This guy is... Norma Jean. Holy shit. Uh, what a fucking guy. Like, so he likes the heavy. A lot of heavy. Uh, he just likes to get weird. The uh, At the Drive-In. Another truly yeah. groundbreaking iconic CD. Roots. A truly groundbreaking iconic CD. Some of these albums are massively like groundbreaking albums. Especially when it was just the beginning when he did like Limp Bizkit's first one. You know what I mean? It's like, what? You know? Uh, Cradle of uh, Thrones. I don't know who the fuck that is. No. <laughs> Uh, Wasp and Fear Factory. Uh, Fear Factory was his first one, and Fear Factory uh, love industrial metal. I, I saw know. them with uh, um, Seven Dust, one, mm. on one of those that makes sense. tours. Yeah, I don't like Seven Dust. No. Oh, no, they, it, back in that day though, too. I, I can appreciate Seven, seven Dust. Du- I had Seven Dust in with this album, and Life Is Peachy and Self Titled, and the, you know it, it was that scene uh, that was going on, and the right age and time. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you know, all I mean, kind of came together. That, like you said, the right age, the age and time, that studio, the, and the albums that that studio alone did at that time, you know, we're talking No Doubt, Papa Roach, uh, Lit, Incubus, Stone Temple Pilots, oh. that they Corn album, Hoobastank. So that studio yeah, alone is... Making, they did Hoobastank? Yeah. <laughs> they did of course it is. So you're it's responsible. Funny. You're responsible for you're this. Responsible. <laughs> I'm going to write you a letter. There's bands on there that I should be asking why they didn't produce. Yeah. Dear NGI. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish? Uh, Hootie. Uh, yeah. Come on. At the time. Yeah. There's always oh, an yeah. outlier. At the time. There's always an outlier. <laughs> hey, somebody has to pay the bills to keep the lights on, <laughs> for man. Sure, <laughs> for sure. For sure. Uh, we'll get some hoopah stink. Yeah, yeah, yeah get some hoopah stink yeah. on. That Hoop. one. <laughs> oh, my God, yeah. They do have that one song in it. If so, I hear, I literally, I think it's called sentence, the one. Oh my god, yeah, that, that makes sense. Right. I'm glad. <laughs> I, I think it's to, to that point of just right place and time, right studio, right producers, right, you know, environment. Being in the studio, locked in there, all that whole time, right? You know, people no, it's called around, the reason. Right? That's uh, what that song is. That's the song. Is that the yeah? Idea? That's the song. That I hope is, yeah. So we we talked a little bit about like the uh, special guests that came in as well and did some stuff, like we were just saying. Um, Fred Durst on that last track we just listened to, All in the Family. But uh, we also have Ice Cube that comes in for uh, Children of the Corn. Yeah. Great okay. mixture of hip hop in there. And, I, mean, I love that song. I mean, that in essence is the hip hop so song dark. that they yeah. did on that album. It's a really dark mm-hmm. song, too. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And then uh, we also have, um, help me with this one, Chris, uh, Trey? Trey Hardson? Yeah, on the song Camel, what? Camel Tosis. <laughs> All that was not meant for me to. I read. see what you did there, corn. <laughs> yeah, I see. Like your backwards are. I see what you're uh, doing. Well, which like is hip hop. Uh, he's a rapper, I believe. Don't really know his work too well. I didn't really deep dive into him. I love the track. 
I mean, I love <laughs> him on it, you know. Um, yeah, yeah. He does a, some grooves. It has a lot of hip-hop on this album, more so than their last one, for sure. Mm-hmm. Which, it, but in some ways, it still is heavier than their last album. More of everything all around, you could say. All around. More of Jonathan Davis vocals, mm-hmm. you know. More of the weird guitar. More Philly bass, mm-hmm. you know. Slap that six-string bass, you know. He always had this iconic sound as well, where... Anytime I try to like learn corn songs, it was really hard to tell what was the bass drum and what was Fildy. Because it combines and moves in and out flawlessly. Yeah. To the point where I have no idea. Plays it like a drum I mean? in a sense. You know? it, it, yeah. I mean, the slap technique mm-hmm. is kind of like, you know, taking the, uh, the drum approach to a bass. Then I'm going to hit this bitch, mm-hmm. in other words. Um, I just love how they had uh, all those guest tracks. And another thing, I think we talked about this before we left. I'm not really sure. Uh, because all those bands were on tour that year with them for the Family Values Tour, yeah. a tour that they created. And you had Ice Cube on that tour, you know what I mean? And you had Jonathan Davis. So it was very easy to have all these people in the same room. Uh, with that being said, they used um, the Family Values Tour to push this album even harder. Right before the album got dropped, that's the summer of this tour. So that's when they were promoting all the songs that were coming up. They did the video of it, and I vividly remember watching that Family Values VHS with right. me and my friends that all got into the music and be, you know, seeing Rammstein uh, and whatnot do their th- thing. And you had Orgy that everybody was, you know, they did that uh, Blue Monday cover that really put them mm, up there. Sick. And then, uh, yeah, Incubus was on the tour, and uh, Ice Cube took over for them, and they were able to do... Um, you know, Children of the Corn then on the tour, and they're able to do All in the Family That's with true. Fred Durst. That's true, I didn't even think of it. You know, that you get to perform those they songs. They could actually now. perform those yeah. songs. So it got the fans all hyped up, ready for this to go, which is part of the success. Mm-hmm. And it, they're hitting their fucking stride going on it. They're starting good, getting the buzz around the old way of doing it by playing live, word of mouth. I mean, internet's around, but I mean... You still had dial-up in this yeah, this I mean, era. This, yeah. You know, it's not on your phone. It's not on your phone. You you still watch TV yeah. actively. You yeah. know? I was downloading music illegally. Yeah, but you you I, couldn't I, even <laughs> actually do it then. You were still a year or two away from that at I, that I, point. I was doing it. The nine, well, you would. You would. Mean, no, it was around, well, not at 98, but yeah. when I was getting, when Listening I consumed it, like around 2000, 2001, yeah. But that's because, yeah, Napster was like 99, 2000. Yeah, that popped up. So this is the last like days if you will of the old music industry working exactly like that in that thing so and they're hitting their prime they're all rocking it out great way to set the tone of what this album and style is really doing because you're also getting ice cube fans that came to see ice cube right you know you're getting uh the orgy fans that are a little bit more you know techno in that's in that techno but uh no, it, it's, yeah, in, it's in the vein of bit. what was going on at that time, yeah. too, because the... Uh, Rammstein of, International. Well, there's the shock rock that was happening at the same time, Marilyn which Manson is the, the next breed of the Prod- industrial the group. Prodigy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is the next step. So we, yes, Prodigy. Nine Inch Nails Rammstein, is huge still. Yeah. Nine Inch Nails, uh, they, those are kind of the granddaddies. Uh, but you have bands like uh, Static X, which fits into the new metal and the industrial flow. Yeah. That came so a little it after. it was there always. Uh, think about the... <laughs> The movie Queen of the Damned. Ah, uh, I was just Korn, gonna mention that. Korn wrote all those soundtrack. songs, by the way. 
for yeah. that made up band of Lisette that was all Corn songs. And the most clever thing, Corn is in the, uh, they're the audio in the movie. When you go see the movie or you see the movie, it's Jonathan's voice that you hear that comes mm-hmm. out of his. And it's the, the cor- band of Corn that plays the backing band, if you will. But on their album of the soundtrack, they got special guests. You have so guests. many people, Manson mm-hmm. and you have Wayne Static. coming in to perform these songs with Chevelle. Korn. So what an awesome... Kidney uh, Korn was notorious for doing soundtracks. Uh, the Tomb Raider soundtrack, they released a song that was, that was only on a bonus album. At the time, like I remember track the co- soundtracks were the shit at the time. At yes. one point, it was like, Dude, you could only X. get these songs on yeah, the soundtrack. Exactly. And the Triple X soundtrack is amazing. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? They were like greatest hits, but even better because then they were the greatest hits of a lot of different bands. Yeah, like, got it. So flavor. It's like, yeah. Fun it's fact, like, variety. cool compilation so, yeah. right now. A fun fact: uh, the writer of Airheads, the one that wrote the screenplay, wrote Triple uh, X. That, huh. That's, I, I guess, that's where you go after <laughs> Airheads, right? Huh. Well, I did can, not know that. I was so not the, aware uh, of that. the the, the soundtrack facts. for Triple X is another crazy one too. It's a double disc set, and it has all the metal songs from the movie the, and all the hip hop songs. The budget of that film uh, went straight to the music like Dude. department, straight up. <laughs> and they Let's go in order of about? how they're betrayed this. in the movie. <laughs> they go in order. So Rammstein's the first song, and then the next metal song that you hear, and the next metal song. Oh As God. the movie goes on, that's how it's done on the soundtrack. And same thing with the hip hop songs. Cross promotion. Uh, fucking yeah, you were right. Fucking soundtracks back in those days, because mm-hmm. we don't get to do that too much anymore. Now it's like one song. Well, it's right? all you can Spotify, it, Actually, Apple yeah. Music, yeah. It, and you can just. I'm thinking that song. Listen to I mean, the song. The latest soundtrack that I can think of. I mean, that's been big. Was that Spider Man into the Spider Verse, oh, and that had that mm. Post Malone song, which also I don't know if that so was. So I on, think soundtracks you know still I mean? are so very much still alive. They, it. Right time, right. I mean, it's not the you same. You get to do as a lot was, of compilations. There'll uh, be another one coming out yeah. someday. Uh, a lot you of know. guest starings. You do a lot of feature acts. You uh, Black Panther, you I guess, had a good soundtrack. Yeah, that was Ultimately. really good. That I was, think it won uh, Grammy, didn't it? I mean, I like the Luke Cage so. soundtrack. Yeah, I was like, God damn. Kendrick Lamar did the thing. Black Panther one. So you know, when you get like a high profile artist, at least you know somebody mm-hmm. like that, you could you could probably. A soundtrack will yeah will actually sell because yeah, the name yeah. behind it alone and, and unique songs. I think that soundtrack had you know. Well, speaking <laughs> of art, uh, let's talk a little bit about this album cover. It's very iconic. I've seen a lot of people with this tattoo, but did not know this until we started doing the research that it was done by Todd McFarlane's studio. Not sure if Todd McFarlane did it himself, but think about it. It's Todd McFarlane's animation studio. You have to draw like Todd McFarlane. Looking at it now, makes perfect sense. The whole music video, of course, this was all done by Todd McFarlane's studio. And if you don't know who Todd McFarlane is, Spawn. Yeah. Uh, the 90s Spider-Man. The, the Spider-Man action figures that you had, designed by Todd McFarlane. Uh, those Spawn toys that you couldn't play with because they would break Todd McFarlane. Now, uh, left Marvel, I believe in this time, of in the 90s, to open his own fucking mm-hmm. studio yeah. because he couldn't, they couldn't pay him enough money to Image keep Comics, on. right? Yeah. 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 They could not pay him enough money. Like, DC, Marvel could not pay him enough money because they're so profitable to go into publishing by yourself. No middleman. You come to me for the artwork. Yeah. I don't have to, you don't have to go through Marvel to get to me. So he had to leave. It wasn't like he chose that it wasn't a bad relationship, but... I mean, Tommy Fallon's artwork alone is the 90s, people. Like, it, it, it portrays it so well because... Pretty iconic. This album is the 90s. 
the album artwork is one of the most iconic artists in the 90s at this time. It's it starts all, out Freak on a Leash music video. Everything lined up perfect. Mm-hmm. The uh, TRL thing, the uh, Family Values tour, the special guest tracks, the year that they're in, the producers that they worked with, the album cover itself. Music taste. Everything was on it. Everything just started working. It, everything worked on this album. And they, you said they had a blast when they made this album, yeah. right? It was all perfect, and you can hear why it was so. Like you can hear the result, the mm-hmm. the results from it. It's so, it's an astonishing album. It's why we're talking about it to this day. If it was, let's say, if this was like Corn's like 2010 album, I'm not sure. Like just later. If it was on released Korn. in 2010. If it was later on Corn, we probably would, we probably would probably just glossed over it. It, it wouldn't yeah, have been such a. The music a, video wouldn't have been anything. able to help uh, that record sales because. Unless you YouTube the music video, right, or actually actively go for those stuff, it's not just being presented to you like TRL did every day after school. Exactly. You know, so, you know, those kind of things, yeah, if it was released today or a different time, is it as successful? I I believe it would be. That's how good this album is, is that you could release it. I'm mean, high at any time. <laughs> you just release this album in the 1920s, it might kill people. Yeah, yeah, people uh, get <laughs> Satan. Yeah, be burned at nope. the stake. Yeah. Their, their ears You're would a witch. start bleeding yep. and their heads would explode eventually mm-hmm. with enough time with it left on. Um, just, in the world I, war. I really do think this album, if it was released nowadays, or like Horn came out in 2010 and this whole rap rock thing was kind of blown out at that point, I still think they would get a following. I still think they would be amazing. They would and have if they least came kept out with it going. This album, Still in this time frame, we never knew a corn, and this was their first album in 2019. It would be amazing. It's the return of Fred Durst, y'all. It, it still it, it, things would change <laughs> around, know? but it, yeah, it's like, still, yeah, it's are you, so good going back and listening? It is really yeah. good, up. but then the, the question is like, say that that time of the rap metal never existed, like if they came out now and that never happened would they be really good or would that hinder them or because if they came out now and that had already existed like it's like what are you trying to do they would be unique unique to their own though and and they are talented it is groovy stuff and they wouldn't be buying into it because it was a popular thing to do at the time exactly this is already a dead type of music and you start playing this type of music and it's authentic and you like playing this style of music then it's authentic and people are going to like it whether or not New metal's dead or not. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I listen to some bands that kind of bring back that new metal kind of sound, and they just do it because they want to. They're not, like, super popular. You don't see them on Spotify, like, you know, weekly playlist or Spotify, but like, check this out. But they still just do it out their love, and uh, I like them because you can hear that generosity in their music. That's their play, style. You know I mean? That's who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is what got me into, like, later on bands like Cannibal Corpse. This is my stepping stones, you know what I mean? I rarely go back to Corn, but Corn is still one of those bands I hold very dear in my heart. But that's how everyone in their 30s feel. You know, late 20s. Like, yeah, I, I used to listen to Corn. Like, no one's in their 30s still actively listening to Corn. No, they're in their Remember, 40s. This band is for kids. And that's when I was a kid listening to this. Mm-hmm. It meant everything in the world to me. Like, at points to where I was so sad, I would put this on. If I was super happy, I would put this on. This album was it's also, all of Corn was that. Follow you know? the leader in that cartoon art was children yeah. following children. Hey kids, yeah, let's come along. It was, uh, they're on a hopscotch. Yeah, on the hopscotch. So I mean, yeah. it was encouraged, and it was the time and place because the obviously, things, if yeah. you 
if you were where I came from in Wisconsin, you weren't listening to the Backstreet Boys, right? Because that's St. Florida. You know, you needed something more aggressive. You needed that that kind of stuff. They were for they were the the band for those you know teenagers in that era that didn't want pop music, bubblegum no, bullshit. Yeah. They needed someone you know, that speaks gang. for them. Exactly, this- and the aggressions and yeah, it's the it's the angst quintessential adolescence. Yeah. Uh, right there, and they were well, kids when they were doing this. You know, like when same, we fell yeah. in love, they were our age when they made this album. Yeah. We came on years later, but they were definitely like when we were in our late teens. We were like, "This is everything," you know what I mean? Everything. Well, growing up, like you mentioned Seattle earlier, and growing up in Seattle, it's like it's a different like way of looking. Almost like it's it's already dark there. It's already dark and it's overcast all the time, and so like you always kind of want something that. Uh, portrays to like the landscape so that like, all sunshine lollipops and y'all and yeah darkness and you yeah exactly so that well, was awesome with it fuck yeah well that being said let's get into the next song uh, I believe we're gonna do Seed this was kind of a pick um it's one of my favorite songs on the album. Chris really wanted it. Like, I, I think the lyrical context is real interesting in the song. He's kind of like it's as far as uh, you know the tones of like where the rest of the album is. A, you know he's talking about like looking at his son he's kind of seeing his self-reflection in it it's a lot of like i don't know if i don't know what time he had a, had children at but if it is around this time the song is uh that is influenced by that and you can kind of hear it in the lyrical context like creeds my arms wide open that's but about corn jesus versions. <laughs> no, that's about his son right <laughs> or something like no, that no it's or about accepting god into his life okay well he had one about his son yeah Similar, same same era, same station.
Right, Get Chris. You. You're right, Chris. Catchy-ass course. Uh, they started off kind of weird, but immediately go into that course and then break it back down, get to that verse, get a little weird, a little weird, weird guitar sounds, weird guitar sounds, get to that verse again. And then out of nowhere, towards the end of this song, where a solo should be, <laughs> like you were saying, goes into scat. Goes into the craziest scat on this. My favorite part of this sounds song. like and it's being remixed. Probably what he's saying to his son. Blah, 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 and you yeah. hear you hear that change in the bass and the guitar that just go boom, da, boom, 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 da. and you're just like, holy fuck! It's great. Um, could you bring up a little bit of that just so we know what we're referencing at? It's at three minutes and forty one seconds. And you can kind of hear the, the lead up into it. Kind of bring in a little of that reference point. So I see this face and Wait for I realize it. It's crazy. That is the most craziest thing. Like, it just... Holy fuck. It's my favorite. There's a there's just a little tiny voice in the background. Alright, you can cue it up. But you can definitely like that part. It is the weird parts of corn that really like why I will always go back to this album and re-listen to it and be like, fuck, I forgot about this. This is such an interesting it's so simple and catchy at times, and then they go into shit like this where it's just pure crazy funk. Yeah, just chaos and I can't help it. <laughs> like I, I want to listen to that, just that part over and control over. Control chaos. And, yeah. yeah. Yeehaw, you guys are talking yeehaw. about like, no. maybe it has to do with him having kids or his son. I think it's him talking about himself. Like it's him looking at his like mm. younger his life. self. Yeah. Yeah. Reflecting on um, past or his, yeah, like his, his pathway. Where did he go? Past life into his new son. You know, mm. it's like hopefully he never has to go through or what into his new he life did. or himself as like yeah. an innocent. You know, person mm-hmm. getting into this. All right, so now we're gonna play the very last song. We're wrapped up with it. Um, talked about how much we fucking love this album. Uh, we're gonna play "Earache My Eye," which did not know the name of this song when I first heard this song, which was Cheech and Chong's "Up in Smoke." The very end of the song. And it has to do this, with the, the beginning of it. I don't want to go to school, Dad. Why? I got an earache. Well, you okay. my eye. If you didn't have this album, it's on track 25, 20 minutes into it. There's a good 10, 15 minutes of silence before you can get to this fucking track. You have and to then skip. It's, you have to it's wait. them talking. You're going to hear it. It's them talking. But featuring on this track is actually Cheech. He's actually on the track with them. He does a little behind the parts. You, uh, I think he actually does sing the whole thing, to be honest. It sounds like his voice. Yeah. I thought it was Jonathan Davis when I was a kid. Uh, he's credited in the track listing. Yeah. So... so um, you rake my eye. What a fun last song to end this on. What a what a great song by itself, standalone. Put that on a fucking single track. Hidden because, track. Yeah, because it really. Did now anyone we get to else hear do this? Full. Do that before this? I think. No, I don't think well, so. There's like, hidden tracks. Hidden tracks, but like oh, this weird tracks? like. Not yeah. no, well. I mean, that, it just depends on how you oh, want to do uh, the hidden there tracks. Was, there were so many albums. Yeah. Uh, Psalm sixty nine is before this, and it has sixty nine tracks on. That's it. true. Oh, so, and then man. when you get to the final track, it is just a ten minute long, like uh, programmed uh, beat, long mix of a, a weird song. It's not even really a song. Uh, uh, Burn, which was a Nine Inch Nails second album, again went up to uh, ninety nine tracks on some albums. Uh, 
69 on other albums, how they were released. Um, Undertow, Tool, 69 tracks, 99 tracks. They did that quite a bit. Mm. So this was like a thing in the 90s to kind of yeah, like yeah. wait for it. The length of this <laughs> album, that, 70 minutes, knew. is just a lot do you of... Own just, the, do you even own the album? Minutes, yeah. Do you yeah. even Are you that the person? whole CD? Yeah. And you it's, it's, the worst, yeah. it's the worst part of the... Uh, the we, we lose the hidden track things. We lose yeah. that, those fun things that they used to do with albums, like the... Uh, the album that was completely black, and when you played it, it turned fucking silver from the yeah. heat. Like, there's so many fun Or how it turns, it looks yeah. on the, on the yeah. record player. It's so fucking fun. Um, but let's, uh, I fucking love everyone that stayed till the end of this show. Thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, to support us even further, please give us a, a like on all the pages. Instagram, start following us to get up more with the upcoming Facebook shows. And- Facebook's whatever. We like to do the Instagram. Wow. Uh, we need them all. <laughs> hey, we need them you know all. What? Find us on Facebook, YouTube. Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, a lot. YouTube yeah. all the platforms, all the things, all the time. Come find us. And yeah, thank you all for listening. And we're going to get into this uh, earache my eye. We had a barbecue and he goes, oh, you want to go to taco? Money, 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 money.